superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. It's the 3 and Out Podcast presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use. Safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Even in the offseason, your boy is just grinding along. It's about 9 o'clock at night. I waited to record because I didn't want Lamar Jackson's tag situation. It's going to be a big story, depending on what they do. Uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, it, it hasn't happened yet. Can't wait all night. So what will happen is this podcast will be about Carr, Rogers, Geno Smith. Those things have happened. And then some other stuff around the league, as well as the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, firing those DMs in my Instagram. It's just my name and get your question answered here on the show. And we will have a golf podcast Wednesday because the player starts this weekend. Your boy's hot right now. I got I got some bets. I'm right in the mix. We're going to hit a big one here soon. And then Friday's podcast will probably be a reaction to everything that happens over the next couple days. But, you know, it's just, I don't know what to do. I, I, can't, I can't just sit on my phone all night and just wait for Adam Schefter to tweet. And he may never tweet till the middle of the day tomorrow and you're going to want the podcast. So we got to release the podcast. So that, that is the plan. So this podcast will be based on the information of Monday. We'll have a golf podcast on Wednesday on the players, and then we will have a reaction to Lamar, Daniel Jones, and those Saquon come, uh, what day is that? Come Friday. So uh, I tried, man. I was hoping Schefter would just drop some bombs, but it just hasn't happened yet. So we will fire away. Uh, But first, can I tell you about my friends at GameTime? The GameTime app, easy to use. Go to your smartphone, download it, and when you do, baseball games, basketball games, concerts, comedy shows. You want to go see Chris Rock? Just did a live uh, show on Netflix. Obviously, you can't see that show, but maybe he's got another show coming up. Check out the Game Time app. Use the promo code John. That's J-O-H-N. That's my name. J-O-H-N. $20 off. Your first pair of tickets. So whether you're going to a Major League Baseball game, you want to go to the NCAA tournament, you want to go to an NHL hockey game, you want to go to a concert, Morgan Wallen's album just came out. You want to go see Morgan Wallen this summer? You want to go see Adele? I don't know. She might be playing. See whoever. Just go to game time. Type in the concerts. Type in the comedy shows. Buy some tickets. Take your buddy. Take your brother. Take your wife. Take your girlfriend. Take your son. Take your daughter. Get outside. Do something fun. And do it on me. Promo code J-O-H-N. John, $20 off your first pair of tickets. Game time app. Thank me later. The big news of the day is Derek Carr signing with the Saints. And it felt, I don't want to say inevitable, because there was buzz about the Jets, but let's face it, we'll dive into them in a second. It it feels like they're going after a white whale, as well as they should. They're a franchise that needs a little buzz. A lot of people thought, a lot of the Saints fans, that I was too harsh on them last year. I shorted them for two main reasons. I did not trust Dennis Allen with no quarterback. Now, Dennis Allen, as the season went on, their defense, when he was obviously the defensive coordinator with Sean Payton, is really good. And watched him a decent amount last year. They are a very physical defense. Defense is not going to be their problem. But with Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill in and out, like it wasn't going to work. That was never going to work, even in a division that was awful. It's pretty crazy. If you just meet some random guy that follows football and you go, what do you think the records were in the NFC South? If Obviously, Tampa made the playoffs under 500. 
What were the other records? You'd be like, ah, one of the teams, you know, went six wins. The other two won five. All three of them won seven games. The Saints' problem was their quarterback situation was a debacle. Now, Derek Carr had a horrendous season for his standards. He had really resurrected his career. I know somehow he'd made a Pro Bowl, but not an actual Pro Bowl. A bunch of guys bowed out, and the Pro Bowl doesn't even count anymore. But Derek Carr had a bad season for his standards. The previous year, when all hell broke loose in his organization, he carried them to the playoffs. He was awesome the last two weeks in must-win games at Indianapolis and then against the Chargers on Sunday night. And he had also had a fa- some, made some fantastic plays. I think on a Monday night game, they got delayed against the Browns and another uh, Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys in which the Raiders won. Derek Carr has won big games recently, two years ago, in a chaotic situation. Here's the other thing. I was around the Raiders a lot early in Derek's career. It's not a normal organization. Most people don't thrive there. It's why when Khalil Mack won the Defensive Player of the Year, you know, it's just independently, he just was an ass kicker, and then he got the hell out of there because they couldn't afford to keep him, and Gruden traded him. And, you know, his career actually is kind of derailed right now, too. He might get cut. But the Raiders are not a place where typically guys go to thrive for long periods of time. They run through a lot of coaches. They move. (laughs) They literally moved, yet they didn't leave Oakland for several years. Think about that. When the Chargers said San Diego were no longer going to play here, they packed up and moved to L.A. in the little stadium the very next year. The Raiders did the polar opposite. It's a dysfunctional place. And the majority of human beings are not Steph Curry, Peyton Manning, you know, the elite of the elite that can overcome dysfunction. They ebb and flow with it. And this year, Derek Carr, like, had a weird year. He did not look great. But here's what I know. The head coach for the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, who was voted in that NFLPA survey, I think they gave him an F, doesn't listen to players, keeps him too long. We don't know if he's any good. When Derek has been in stable situations, like eventually the Gruden situation for a little bit felt some stability, played okay. With Jack Del Rio, before he got injured, played pretty well. So for the Saints, this is a no-brainer move to sign Derek Carr. First and foremost, and it's a no-brainer on Derek's standpoint. I hated the fit with New York. Derek Carr is made to play in a dome. He's a lifetime West Coast guy. Grew up in Bakersfield. Went to Fresno State. Oakland and Vegas. Us West Coast people don't like the uh, the cold weather. You'd be like, well, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady are from fucking California too. Tom Brady went to Michigan in like 1995. And he lived in cold weather up until 2020. Aaron Rodgers has been on the Green Bay Packers for 17 years. (laughs) So, yeah, we can eventually get used to it. But if you're never in it and then you just randomly go to it to play football, you're going to be at a disadvantage. So to me, Derek, in the Dome and in the division, which Tampa Bay, warm weather place, Atlanta, Dome, Carolina. I mean, it gets cold at the end of the year, kind of. But New York play nine games because the AFC next year has the 17th game. And then New England and Buffalo, really cold places. Hated that fit. Two, they gave him a lot of money. Like, he got a raise. He did not have guaranteed money left on his contract. Got $70 million. $60 million signing bonus. And because of the way the contract set up, he's going to be on the team next year. Got $70 million. So essentially got a two-year, $35 million a year. That's the way I look at it. And let's face it, I'm going to pick the Saints to make the playoffs. And if he makes the playoffs this year, like he'll probably be on the team three years. And the one thing with quarterbacks, unless you're Carson Wentz, usually play out your contract and he casts all the the money. So Derek's, I will be stunned if this doesn't go well. I was a hater last year with the Saints because of the coach and the quarterback. Now the coach, I still don't love, but their division is awful. Derek is used to playing Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert four times in a given season. Now he's playing Carolina. We don't know their quarterback. Tampa, Tom Brady left, and all they have is Kyle Trask. And Atlanta is just in quarterback purgatory for a long time now. So they are by, they're going to be my pick. I don't see how one of these other teams gets my pick, regardless what happens, especially if they're dependent on a young player. So if I was a Saints fan, I would be very excited because we should be able to win 10, 11 games and make the playoffs. 
And we'll talk about like a lot of people are often like, you know, you're hard on Dak. And listen, the Saints, if you could just have a Dak Prescott-like season, win double-digit games, make the playoffs, and then take your chances from there, that's a success. And that's worth $70 million over two seasons. And if you're Derek, you get a chance to now, you know, ultimately when Tom and Bill broke up, they both like, okay, Tom won the argument. Did Bill lose? Bill still got six rings. He also has two other ones. I don't know when his game plan against Bill Walsh in the 80s is literally in the Hall of Fame. I think Bill sleeps pretty well at night. So if he's the loser in that argument, he's a pretty fucking good loser. But there's going to be a loser in this argument, right? If the Raiders are successful next year and Derek's not, it'll reflect poorly on the Raiders. Or I mean, on Derek. If Derek makes the playoffs and the Raiders are a joke again, wall point at the Raiders. Like, there is going to be a loser with not much to show for. I mean, obviously, if Derek's the loser, he'll have a lot of money in the bank. But that, to me, is fascinating on this. And I think Derek's going to be motivated. Uh, You look at their schedule, it's not that hard. The Saints, that is. They get eight dome games. They play Houston. You know, on the you get a couple outdoor games that could be cold. I think they play at Green Bay and at New England, but... I would imagine at minimum one of those probably be before Halloween. Usually you get three of your last five games or divisional games. Um, I, I, I think this is a no-brainer move for both sides, and, and I think it's going to work. <laughs> this is kind of a domino effect in a weird way because I think Derek knew that he had to play with, what do they say, a bird in the hands better than two in the bush. Like He couldn't wait for the New York. And I think it's pretty clear New York was doing the like college recruiting, saying all this fluffy BS because they don't know how the Rodgers situation is going to play out. Literally, the dude is in the darkness. He's trying to find himself, but it does feel like New York and Aaron Rodgers are destined for each other. Now, what the compensation is going to be, how this is all going to go down, I don't know. But that doesn't, like, if I tell you right now, like, I saw Rap Sheet tell McAfee, like, maybe Aaron Rodgers goes back to the Packers. Can't see that one. Like, it feels like the ship has sailed. And it feels like Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets is inevitable. And one thing that's interesting, because I heard someone say today is the Jets core star players are all young, which is a positive because they're all on rookie contracts. But when you think about Aaron Rodgers, who does Aaron Rodgers like? Think about what his biggest beef with Gudikins and the front office was. They didn't listen to him. To keep the older players like, well, Aaron, who'd you want? It was like, Randall Cobb. I wish they would have kept Charles Woodson. I want Mercedes Lewis. You know, he's not banging the table for like, you know, third year guys. He's banging the table for guys in his age range. So if he did go to the Jets that have a very, very talented roster, think about the core guys on that offense. Garrett Wilson, second year guy. Elijah Moore, third year guy. Uh, Brees Hall coming back from injury, second year guy. So the core offensive talent would be younger players. I would imagine they'd probably draft like a tight end rookie, you know, they are going to be very, very dependent on young players. That will be interesting. A lot of pressure. Like Derek Carr, there is pressure in the Saints. It's playoffs or bust. For the Saints, they've given up first-round picks. They've paid Derek money. Derek, everyone's always acted like, you know, he's a four-time Pro Bowler. He's actually pretty good. Okay, you put that together, you got to make the playoffs. You're in a shitty division. Don't have a choice. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets like, I'd argue it's 12 wins or bust and a playoff victory or it's a failure especially if they give up a first-round pick, which clearly they would. I guess the Jets wouldn't have a first-round pick if they acquire Aaron Rodgers because they would give it for Aaron Rodgers. But uh, that feels like where we're headed. And then the last bit of quarterback news, at least for this podcast, is is Geno Smith. And listen, we all travel to our destination at different paces professionally. Some guys just fucking strike gold early. Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning. LeBron James. Some guys kind of mature late. Rich Gannon's career was resurrected in his early 30s. Won an MVP after people thought he sucked. Hell, uh, Jim Plunkett was cut several times before he landed with the Raiders and won a Super Bowl back in the 80s. Not everyone's path. Look at Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner's in the Hall of Fame. You think when he looks at like Troy Aikman... And then they look at Peyton Manning, and then they look at Tom Brady, and then they look at Drew Brees, and then they look at Steve Young. Think how different all these people' career paths are. Now, I'm not saying Geno Smith's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but I think he's a good example. When you're a high-character guy, football means a lot to you, and you just keep swinging, 
Sometimes, eventually, the dam breaks. And Geno Smith finally got an opportunity. And how he wasn't even handed that opportunity because in the offseason, it was like, Drew Locke, Drew Locke. Geno Smith beat his ass out. And then the season ends, he got 30 touchdowns, and now he's got $50 million. And he's perfect for Seattle in the sense that they're still able to draft a quarterback. And to me, he's kind of on that Alex Smith umbrella where he's a great guy to have around a young quarterback. And most of the quarterbacks that they would probably draft probably need a year to just sit, learn, and develop. And to me, Geno Smith is the best of both worlds. He's your ideal bridge-type quarterback. He can throw you 25, 30 touchdowns. You can be competitive for a playoff spot while you invest in a younger quarterback and let him mentor professionally, yet he's happy because he's been compensated. So this situation was pretty easy. It's a cool situation. It's one to me that should be celebrated because I think Geno Smith represents and has more in common with most of us than like the star quarterbacks who are sweet from the beginning. Most people that are listening to this professionally, you know, probably bounce around, figure some things out. It takes you a while. Not everyone just strikes gold in their 20s or 30s, right? Some people, most guys... I would say in society that are successful, it happens over time. And I think it took Gino a while. It took him almost a decade to figure it out. And he finally did. And he just feels like a good guy, easy to root for. So he gets 50 plus million dollars guaranteed, but he doesn't limit them from still taking a big swing at a young quarterback. So I, I think Seattle's in a very, very good spot. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question What's the one move I can make? That'll take my business to the next level in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing, Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash john. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Michelin test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Listen, you can bet on the game any way you want. Straight up, a.k.a. money line, point spreads, team totals. You can also do player props, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, covers it all. And so many more exclusive bets, like two times three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. How fun is that? FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with Same Game Parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com, promo code Colin. That's FanDuel.com, promo code Colin, to learn more. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. 
See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-888-9789 Tennessee 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia Okay, let's fire around the league to some uh, some things that have taken place uh, up up to right now recording this. Some transactions, little NFL rapid fire, and we'll start with the Raiders. They have franchise tagged Josh Jacobs, and I think there's a little bit of a hack. If you get a top five ish running back or a top five ish tight end, you could even say top eight ish. I think it's a pretty easy move to franchise tag them. Because wide receivers right now, the high-end guys easily make over $20 million. When average guys hit free agency, they get an astronomical amount of money. Yet I can get a legit tight end or a legit running back on a one-year contract, which are the best type contracts in the NFL for a position like running back, and not pay him that much. Like paying Josh Jacobs under $11 million and only being tied to him for one year, if you know guys get hurt, that's obviously the risk at running back, is an easy business transaction. So Josh Jacobs is a stud, uh, came a long way. Remember, he played in the Hall of Fame game. Now, I saw Josh McDaniels say at the Combine that he did it to get him some reps. Either way, uh, you know the Raiders had a really rough season. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs did not, as well as Max Crosby. But those two guys are under massive contracts. Jacobs, um, th- this is the move. Because I-, I think it's tough, right? Are you going to give him like three years, $15 million a year? He's going to want 35 40 guaranteed. I- I'd rather play it year to year. I think this is the right move by the Raiders. Uh, really good player. You know, you get him at a bargain price. Now, I think the Raiders would say, this is just the market. This is what running backs are paid. They kind of get screwed in the one-year situation. And definitely tight ends do. Uh, Frank Clark, who's been on the Chiefs for a long time, uh, obviously had some memorable games, makes big plays in the playoffs, is going to be cut. Is what happens. Older players who have seen their best days behind them, guys had a really good career, good for the Seahawks, Seahawks obviously been really good for Kansas City when it's mattered the most. Last year, they drafted the Purdue pass rusher in the first round. You know, obviously, Chris Jones isn't going anywhere. I would expect them to draft another pass rusher in this draft. And this is part of, you know, the maturation of this team. You know, you kind of recycle older guys. They got rid of the Honey Badger last year. Get rid of Frank Clark this year. way the league works. Uh, The the most interesting thing I saw with the Chiefs today, at at least of right now recording this, they're not going to franchise tag back-to-back years Orlando Brown. And anytime you don't franchise tag, you allow a guy to hit free agency. And I I think it's the right financial move because I think they are hesitant to pay him what he definitely would get, you know, on the open market and really what the franchise tag at that position back to back seasons w- would cost them. But the only thing I would say is that, you know, it's hard to find left tackles. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to find tackles in, in general, right or left, but there aren't many out there. Uh, maybe they're confident, you know, that they can draft a guy, they can develop a guy. Maybe there's a guy that they think they could sign for a much cheaper number. They can give 85, 90% of his production. But it's definitely a situation because I, I I would say there's a chance that he's not back on the team if they're willing to let him test the market. Uh, the Bears, pretty well reported. And I've been saying for a while I thought they would trade Justin Fields. Turns out they're not going to. Talked to a couple people at the Combine, said they're keeping him. Well reported today. Albert Breer, Peter King, he's staying. Now, Ryan Poles... I think he said this to Peter King was pretty like cocky. He like thinks I can get three first round picks. Obviously, you know, one of those is this year's. You basically trade one to, you know, five and get like, like the Miami Dolphins got three first round picks. They really got two first round picks because they just flopped first round picks that year with Trey Lance. But that's the way I guess we describe it. 
I'll be interested because I, a couple people I talked to in the NFL just thought that because this year the quarterback discrepancy is all over the board, this notion that you're going to get people trading up and giving you an absolute haul for who? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, if he can get three first-round picks, Ryan Poles might be executive of the year. That, that's incredible for a class that – I like Bryce Young, but, I mean, a 5'10 quarterback? You're trading up all that for a 5'10 quarterback? So I, I'll be very, very interested to watch this all shake out. Now, he's got to trade back. And worst-case scenario, like, he's if he does get like, – it takes two to tango. So if he wasn't able to trade out, then it becomes like, are you going to draft Jalen Carter? And I don't think he would. I think they would take Will Anderson. But ideally, when you're going to roll with the quarterback and you have as many needs as they do, and you made a deal that I think you would like a redo on with a Chase Claypool, that they got to find a way to meet at minimum if they trade back several spots to get an extra one and an extra two. If they could do that and flip-flop this year, they'd be in pretty good shape because uh, they got a lot of holes. Roster isn't very good. And in a weird way, and I know this is not the way teams think, sucking again isn't the worst thing. Because there are two really, really good quarterbacks in next year's draft. Uh, but the Bears got a long way to go. And this these next couple months, you know, will go a long way in defining the Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus era. Calvin Ridley learned a valuable lesson that all of us gamblers have learned. Parlays are hard. You know, you don't win many of them. Now, the difference is most of us that make parlay bets are not in the National Football League. And we don't get suspended for a season. But what's cool is, Calvin Ridley, if like of all the teams that really kind of need him, the Jags would be that team that makes them immediately very interesting. I think we got the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs as just like lock 12, 13 win teams moving forward. If Calvin Ridley's good, we might just be looking at, because their offense could be so much better, have another solid draft. The Jags might just be a lock playoff team for the next several years in that division, especially with Tennessee. We'll get into here in a second. But Calvin Ridley, if he's 80, 90% of what he once was with the Falcons, I mean, the, the, the Jags could be pretty good. I mean, really good on offense. You had Ridley to go with uh, with Christian Kirk, who had a really good season. They franchise Evan Ingram. They had another back to go with ETN. Trevor Lawrence takes another step. Pretty interesting offense to go with uh, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl champ, calling the plays, no big deal. Tony Pollard, a lot like Josh Jacobs. These deals are just so easy to make. There is no better feeling than franchising a guy who you don't really want to give a long-term deal for and not having to pay that much money. So to give whatever it is, $10.5 million to Pollard and not be tied in. And the difference between Pollard and Jacobs is Pollard had a pretty serious injury in the last game of the season. Didn't he shatter his ankle or his leg? Got bent back over, which, you know, is not ideal. He's going to be out, you know, who knows? Hopefully he's ready to go by training camp. But th that is, would they even have done a long-term deal with him to begin with? Probably not. Uh, maybe they would have been more inclined if he was healthy. But I, I, it's 100% the right move. Tony Pollard's a really good player. Um, to me, if he's healthy, I, you could easily cut Zeke. I, I know Jerry is infatuated with Zeke. It's 2023. It's not 2018. Uh, I, I was a huge Zeke fan when he was a younger player. Do it all back, run between the tackles, run outside the tackles, catch the ball, block. He was a stud. That's a long time ago. Like he's just, he's not very good. I would move on from Zeke, draft a running back to go along with Pollard. Uh, one interesting story today that it's just a pretty eye opening headline. Then when you kind of dive into it, uh, new GM, obviously they're just getting rid of a lot of people on this roster. Derrick Henry is available. You look at his contract, basically the last year of his contract, he's making $10 million this year, a little over, I think it's like 10-5, and his cap hit is $16 million. He's not going to be on the team after this season. They're not going to give him a contract extension. Still was pretty damn good last year. To me, these last three or four years, like he's a Hall of Fame level player. He's 29 years old. I think a lot of teams would definitely just take him in a one-year situation at, you know, relatively cheap money. The question is, what do I have to give up to get him? Like, does it make sense for the Titans to just give him away to get him off the books for a fifth-round pick? Because if I'm a team, I'd gladly do it. I think the Titans would rather get a second-day pick, let's say a third-round pick. Well, if I'm a team in a draft that consistently yields starting running backs, I mean, Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. 
So I have shown over and over and over that I can find guys in the third, fourth, fifth round that can become my starter who are way cheaper than $16 million cap hit. That's what I think you balance. Though, if he's, if you still think he has a year or two left, you know, for a fourth round pick, I, I, I think about that because he is still a guy that can carry you not just for games, but like for a month. You know, he can have a month where he runs for 780 yards and averages 175 yards a game. I don't know if that math works depending on how many games you play, but you know what I mean? Fucking monster. Love, love Derrick Henry. Like when he's rolling, there is not a more fun player to watch. What makes him so unique for being this big, enormous, one of the biggest running backs, the biggest running back of, of my lifetime, is that he's not like uh, lower his shoulder and run you over. And he's not some elusive Shady McCoy, Barry Sanders guy, but he can make you miss because his feet are incredible. His top end speed, when it gets rolling, no one ever catches him. And he's got one of the best stiff arms in the history of the league. So he is a violent player, but not in the sense that I went to a Titans OTA one time and you stand next to him. You're like, this guy looks like a defensive lineman, but he doesn't play violently in the sense that linebacker on him, he lowers his shoulder and he runs guys over. He really tries to run around you. He's so great with angles and because he knows how fast he is. And then those, you know, those long arms and stiff arms. I mean, he's got some of the most legendary stiff arms of, of his generation. I mean, he's just Josh Norman. I think he's got him twice. Uh, he's got several other players. Any Titans fans knows. Uh, if I was a Titans fan, I, I wouldn't want to get rid of him. I, I'd want another year with him. If they do trade him, I, I think it kind of shows you that they're waving the white flag on this team. And then they're just kind of blowing it up, starting over. Maybe they want to bottom out and then try to get one of these quarterbacks next year. I don't know. But this is always the time where new administrations come in, some new blood comes in, coaches want to pivot, you get away from some older players making some money. The Vikings, Eric Kendricks, who, when I was at Fresno State, I think in 2008, Eric Kendricks played high school football at Hoover High School, which was right across the street, basically. And his brother was already at Cal, obviously a really good player. But when Eric was coming out of high school, you know, we were kind of interested. And listen, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I remember watching him thinking like, is this guy that good? And then he eventually got an offer from UCLA, went to UCLA, had a fantastic career there, uh, ended up getting drafted in the second round, has had a fantastic NFL career. Th that, that was a whiff by your boy as a, as a uh, college recruiter. Not that it was my call or anything. I just remember watching the high school tape, thinking he wasn't that good. And now he's cut. This is the nature, 30, 31, 32-year-old guys who make a lot of money, you know, they get released. Now, I think the question is, when we saw this last year with Bobby Wagner, is how good is he still? Because I saw PFF had him ranked like the 89th best linebacker. He's always been a really athletic guy, three-down linebacker. Um, I just vividly remember him just making so many tackles in the in the peak of kind of that Zimmer defense. But in the NFL, man, you get to like 30-31 at most positions. A lot of guys just fall off the cliff. So it'll be very interesting to see his market. Is he a guy that signs immediately? Or is he a guy that, you know, it takes a little time? I, you know, he's he's made a lot of cash. He's had a lot of success. I've always really enjoyed him in the NFL. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. This is just the, the nature of the beast. And that defense clearly needs to get a lot better. The Rams, I appreciate their mindset as an organization. Like I, I will always be fond of and be drawn to aggressive people, aggressive organizations, uh, the aggressive mindset. Always cool with it. I also like I'm a little bit more like as a stock trader, I, I've always been a little more long term. As a human being, I've always been pretty good at being patient in, in an aggressive way. Right. Like not everything can just happen at the snap of the fingers. And I'm an impatient human being, but it feels like the Rams sometimes, like they, they get really excited about something and they go all in and then they regret it immediately. Like it was like, oh, Allen Robinson, what a splash. And everyone had always thought Allen Robinson's been getting screwed on the Bears forever because Trubisky sucks. Wait till he gets a real quarterback. Then he got a real quarterback, went to the Rams, and he was awful. And the Rams immediately regretted it. And now they've allowed him to seek a trade. Again, the Rams process netted them a Super Bowl a couple years ago. But let's be honest, it's been a little herky-jerky. And this is a classic, like, what are we doing? Did you really just 
sour on him that much because in theory, if you just do you just think he sucks? Because if he if you still thought like, listen, last year was a weird year. You get him back with Cup to go with Aaron Donald. Stafford comes back. You draft some players in the mid rounds and you try to be a competitive playoff team again. Look at the NFC. It sucks. They clearly you, you grant this guy to make a trade. I, I don't care about his cap number. You don't think he's any good or, or, or you don't think he can be successful for you. So the Rams, we have to acknowledge, and this, listen, this is Sean, who, if you read that athletic article, was like ready to jump off a bridge last year when they had a little rough patch. Like, this is the NFL, Sean. You're not going to win 12 games every year. Some some years are suck. You know, Google Andy Reid's history. He makes the playoffs 80% of the years, but he's had some rough years. It's football, you know? So, sometimes guys get hurt. Sometimes shit doesn't fall your way. And it feels like he specifically, and listen, I get it. Us millennials, man, we're used to instant gratification. We're internet age, babies. You know, streamers, we've been a part of it all. 20 years, we have the internet in our lives. We're not willing to see the, you know, the long-term aspect on a lot of things. But in football, you can't just pivot every single year. And it kind of feels like that's what they're doing. Last but not least, the Niners reports out of the Combine were interested in Baker Mayfield. Now, Brock Purdy... His elbow injury that's, you know, taking some uh, time to heal because the doctor uh, for the Texas Rangers that's going to do the elbow surgery saw it and saw there was still some inflammation, wanted to wait. Now that he's going to get it on Friday, we'll find out Friday if it's the six-month injury and that injury he can start throwing in three months or is Tommy John he's basically out for the season. Now, I don't know if that would – no, I think it would because – if he's ready in six months and they think he's going to be healthy, Brock Purdy will be their starting quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean, and that's not going to, you know, have them resist signing a veteran quarterback. They're going to do that no matter what. But I do think if he was out for the season, their approach to a veteran quarterback would be a lot different because there's a chance that veteran quarterback might have to be the starter if Trey Lance can't get it done. And there were some rumors about them being interested in Baker Mayfield. I think Andy Dalton's a guy, but Baker Mayfield would make some sense, right? Started a lot has been in this scheme before, um, and, and has just started a lot of games. And that's one thing last year when when uh, the season started, before Jimmy Garoppolo decided to come back, they were basically Brock Purdy, Nate Sudfeld, and Trey Lance. And it worked out pretty well because they ended up in the NFC Championship game. But that was a pretty risky way to go about it. And they got a little lucky. Jimmy Garoppolo's market was shitty because... You know, the injury and they couldn't trade him and he they just got him back for six and a half million dollars. Uh that's clearly not gonna happen this year. Jimmy's gone. They've even admitted it, and this will be fascinating to see where Jimmy goes. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? 
They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Kumo test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. This is how we do it. DMs, at John Middlecoff, Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Give it a follow if you want. Post a lot of content up there. Try to be consistent and uh, mainly use it for DMs and f- for the show. So, at John Middlecoff is my name. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Caleb, longtime listener, first time DMer, Titans fan. Our quarterback room is a mess. Tannehill isn't going to win a Super Bowl. And Willis looks like he's several years away from being several years away. With the Jags coming on strong, with the elite young quarterback, what are your thoughts about trading Derrick Henry, cutting Tannehill? and acquiring draft capital and basically tanking for Caleb Williams or Drake May. Don't hate it. If it was the NBA, it would 100% be the move. Here's the problem. You have Mike Vrabel. So his floor as a coach is so high, I think it'd be impossible for you not to win more than like five games. Now, this would be the way. If he was cool with starting Malik Willis every single game, assuming he stayed healthy for 17 games, you guys would lose a lot. So that would be a way. And it'd be an easy way for Mike to be like, listen, we're going to see if we got anything in this guy because last year didn't look promising. I just think as a true-blooded football guy and just an old-school badass MFer, I think he'd have a hard time doing it. Now, maybe you just make the team so shitty that it'd be hard, but I, I think he's good enough. Like, you could give Belichick... If you gave Belichick the Chicago Bears this year, they just wouldn't end up with the first pick. And I'm not saying Vrabel's Belichick, but he's pretty damn good. I mean, pretty damn good. So I I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I really don't because of your coach. John, it's not probable, but imagine Lamar on the 49ers. They were shooting for a player like him with Lance, but it hasn't worked out. Weapons galore. Been a Lamar fan since I went to University of Louisville when he won the Heisman. I'd love for him to stay with the Ravens. I don't think the Falcons have the all-around support the Ravens provide. Would love your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, we will probably have some clarity. It's gonna, We're going to have some clarity by the end of the day Tuesday on the way they franchise tag him. All signs point to the non-exclusive, basically letting him shop his offer. The Niners clearly is not happening. They, they don't even have the capability, one, of paying him, and, and two, of trading for him. Yeah, I mean, I it does feel like he's done, but in these situations, hell, it felt like Rodgers was done last year and he was back. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know anyone with the Ravens. The people that do feel like they don't even know. Situation's definitely gotten kind of weird. I, I think it's fair to be prepared for everything. I, I'm prepared for everything. The problem I keep getting back to, let's say they trade them for two ones to the Dolphins or the Jets or the Falcons... Who's their quarterback? You know, what do they do? They're just cool with playing with a rookie? I have a hard time seeing that. That, to me, is where, I don't know. It's just the situation has gotten out of hand a little bit in the sense of there's no, you know, perfect solution if you're not willing to pay him what he wants. Saints fan in Sacramento. I know you dismissed the team as a middling franchise in college-focused region, of which the latter is fairly accurate. Here's what I, listen, I did not dismiss them with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I dismissed them last year with no quarterback in Dennis Allen. As I said at the top of the show, I view them as a playoff team now. It's playoff or bust for the, for the New Orleans Saints. Last year, my take was simple. Everyone was picking them to make the playoffs, and I didn't see it. It's like, who, with Jameis and Dalton? <clears throat> no way. And w- what happened? Obviously, not even close. They won seven games, even though I guess they were close because Tampa sucked. But they were not good. So, I don't dismiss them anymore. I expect them to win 10 games. So, I, I am I am pro the Saints. And I and listen, when I dismissed them, and I got into an argument with someone on Instagram about saying that the Saints were not as big and teams in that area are not as big as the college teams, that is not really a diss. LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, 
the, the University of Texas, Oklahoma, these teams are treated like NFL teams, right? They are fucking massive. LSU, Alabama, Georgia, they operate like an NFL operation. LSU just gave a head coach. Brian Kelly makes more money than Sean Payton. Not necessarily per year, but his overall contract. Brian Kelly got $100 million. I mean, LSU operates like an NFL team. That, that shit you saw about the Arizona Cardinals, the, the, the LSU would laugh about the treatment of players and being cheap. The, the SEC does not mess around. The, the, the SEC, some of these teams spend more money for their players, obviously not necessarily in salary, but just in terms of the treatment around them than NFL teams. So when I dismiss, like, I hold LSU and the high SEC teams at an NFL level regard with uh, with reverence. Like, nothing but respect. And like I said, I think you guys, as the Saints, the, I'm going to pick the Saints to win the South. I don't know what the Panthers could do at quarterback to, to change that before the season. But the Saints are my pick. I think Derek Carr is going to play well next year. Huge Seahawks fan and fan base seems set on re-signing Geno. This was obviously before they signed him. My preference is actually to re-sign Geno and draft Richardson and let him sit behind for a year. Exactly what I said at the top. I think re-signing Geno perfectly allows you to go the Patrick Mahomes mindset. Allows you to sign or draft someone high, redshirt them for a year, and put them in position behind a high-level guy, high-character guy, who's currently a good player. You know, if Geno Smith can have just 90% of what he just did, like, you're in pretty good shape. Clearly a good guy. Clearly people like him. To me, Geno Smith is one of the cooler stories in the NFL, right? Relatively high pick, who everyone kind of act like he sucked, and he just kept swinging. You know, I actually think it's a good life lesson. You got to run your own race in life. Some guys, not, not all of our paths are the same. Whether you're an NFL quarterback or whether you're a salesman or whether you're a businessman. I, I mean, like Geno Smith is just a great example of a guy that just kept swinging, did it the right way, worked hard, people liked him, was well-respected in the NFL, boom, got $50 million guaranteed in his early 30s after making like way more in this one contract that he never made in his career. Uh, big Geno Smith fan. Appreciate your podcast. Look forward to every episode. Dolphins fan my whole life. Am I the only one that thinks Bryce Young hype is crazy? Accuracy, great. Character, Alabama. Next, Drew Brees, eerily similar to what we said about Tua. Is Bryce that much better, or does everyone have short memories? Bryce is a much better player than Tua. I think both guys coming out, to me, it's not even close. I I think Bryce is... uh, You know, if, if... I'd put Bryce at like, if we're just, let's just do an easy scale. You know, out of 10, if like Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, those guys are like nine and a half tens, right? The elite prospects. I'd put Bryce at like seven and a half, eight. Really, his only knock is his height, character, football smarts, talent, arm, accuracy, instincts, playmaking against the best competition, plays the best in the biggest games. You watch that Tennessee game, how fucking awesome the kid was? Even in a loss? Or Georgia in the national championship when his receivers went down? That kid was just throwing strikes. I think Bryce Young is a big-time player. Big-time player. (laughs) I'm a huge Bryce Young fan. If you just watched him for two straight years at the highest level in the biggest games with 85,000 people watching at night against the SEC teams, everyone's gunning for your ass. I thought he balled. (laughs) I mean, I, I think he's a stud. He's just short. Now, if you're against short quarterbacks, I get it. Like, my issue with Tua, bad athlete, weak arm, can't move, hurt in college. Like, I I was not a Tua fan at all. So, this is not playing like Monday morning quarterback. But I hear you. Colts fan. And I found your podcast the night of the Colts-Broncos Thursday night game. LOL. Thoughts on Anthony Richardson combine performance? Seems like he's a big piece of clay and just needs a crafty coach to put the mold together. I think Shane Steichen could utilize him like he did Hurts in due time. What do you think? Well, Jalen Hurts was a much, much better college quarterback than Anthony Richardson. 
Like Jalen Hurts started Alabama. Obviously, he was nowhere near like what Bryce Young or even Tua was as a passer. But he kept getting better, and then he went to Oklahoma, and he was pretty damn good. Very productive college quarterback. Um, But had a lot of room for growth. Here's the thing. I don't know that much about Anthony Richardson. I talked to an executive that was in a room when he interviewed, and it's like, you know, his backstory, he grew up pretty tough. His situation, I don't think, was ideal as a young guy, like as a kid through junior high and high school. He's like, honestly, it's amazing that what he's kind of overcame in life. Pretty just raw human being, just based on his upbringing. So, like, Jalen was Jalen was a serious cat, man. I mean, Jalen had... Dad was a coach. He's a focused dude. I mean, I remember laughing at it, but it actually has turned out to ring pretty true when they're like, you know, you and you were you co- uh you played for Coach Saban. What was it like playing for Coach Saban? And Jalen was like, Yeah, actually, I, I see a lot of myself in him. And it's like at first everyone's like, Okay, give me a break. And then you just watch him. It's like that is one serious cat. Not smiling often. Well, neither does Nick. So I think Anthony Richardson is more your prototypical younger guy, just raw as the day is long, as a human being. And I'm saying that in a good way. It's not a bad way. So I'm with you. Um, Molding clay, the problem is, is like where he's starting. So you got to redshirt him. But as a Colts team, it's going to be, no one's going to run a redshirt him. Like who's going to be your starting quarterback? It was easy. Like ultimately, Jalen got to sit a little bit, right? Because you had Carson Wentz. Now he ended up taking over for him at the end of that season. I think Anthony Richardson would be a true, true sit a year. I, I just think that's very hard in the in today's NFL, man. I, I really do, especially when you take a guy really high. Think how many guys got drafted in the last couple years in like the second and third round that end up starting games. So, Colts are in a weird spot. Like, are they cool with sucking for a year or? Not quite sure on the on the deal there. Gotta ask. Feel like you're a little harsh on Lamar and him being a hundred million apart with the Ravens asking price. My my point is when you're a hundred million dollars off, you're just not gonna get a deal done. So we just gotta acknowledge like you're not willing to do a deal. Now, whether he can get that deal, we're about to find out. I'm I'm not acting like he potentially can't get that money, but if you're that big of a gap, you know, if you're selling your house for two million dollars on the market and I come in and offer $900,000, we ain't going to do a deal together. Like So it's laughable. The whole situation to me is laughable. Ravens too. Now, I don't, I'm more on the Ravens side in the sense of like, I would struggle to pay him $230 million guaranteed. I, I just would. When you factor in injuries, when you fast factor in just everything. Now, clearly, if you're willing to, like ultimately, I would love to give him the Kyler Murray contract, but he won't take that. I don't necessarily blame him because he goes, I'm better than Kyler Murray. I'm a better guy. And all that's true. But it just, this is a business. And like, I tend to lean on like, is this good business? When I look at contracts, that's what I think. Is this good business? Kyler Murray, joke contract. Dak Prescott, you know, a little bit of an overpay. And as Jerry said, it limits their ability to build the team, which ultimately if Dak's a top five quarterback, wouldn't matter. But as we know, he's not. He's like the 10th best quarterback. And what happens? They plateau in early January. Like so, I, I look at this from a from a dollars and cents standpoint when we talk about when we talk about the contracts, right? How much am I paying you, and then what does that equate to winning? In the draft, it's like because your contract is so low, even if you're the second pick, we don't talk about money with draft picks. It's just should I take you where I'm got to take you to pick you? When we talk about free agents, it's like whoa, that's a lot of money. Someone's going to give Mike McGlinchey eighteen million dollars if that happens. Like, I'm going to be critical. Now, if you get Mike McGlinchey for $9 million a year, not as crazy. But how much you spend on either your own guy in a contract extension or in free agency, I judge you on the money as much as the player. Could the Ravens or more particularly the Giants not learn from how Washington handled Kirk Cousins? They played hardball and let someone else pay him. I'm pretty sure they would like a do-over on that decision. See, I don't think they would because they didn't really like him. That's the thing. Like, the Ravens like Lamar. I'd argue they should have got ahead of this two years ago and they would have been able to sign him. But they got so, they waited so long, these contracts kind of got weird. Like, let's face it, 
There's not a soul listening to this right now that can go, you know, Deshaun Watson, that's a great contract. It's a fucking horrendous contract. He's not a top five quarterback to begin with, let alone what we saw last year. And I'm giving him somewhat of a pass. But if he's like the ninth best quarterback, like they're screwed. They are screwed. He's got to be a star. And I think it's fair to say the chances of him ever being a star again feel like they've kind of flown away. (laughs) You know, the last time he balled out was a long, long time ago. So I I just, I I judge everything on money when we talk about these enormous contracts because this is not baseball. This is a salary cap league. And the amount I allocate toward you, like in most businesses, if you acquire someone, you got unlimited resources, right? There's not like a salary cap on, well, you spend all your money. It might be all the money you have, but the great part is you can take out a loan. In football, it doesn't work like that. I got a salary cap, $225 million, and I got to build my team within that cap for several years. And when I pay people enormous amounts of money, that they, they take huge chunks of my salary cap. Matt Stafford, Google his contract the next couple years. It's fucking massive. Tannehill's a great example. Tannehill's average, but his contract is not. And it limits their ability to do anything. Because I got news for you. If, if the Tennessee Titans had a lot of cap space... We talk about all these teams where people would want to go. A lot of people would want to go to Nashville. No state income tax. You know, great, cool city. Like, they'd attract people with ease. A lot of guys in the league, where do they play? The SEC. It's SEC country. Be a no-brainer. They never have any money because they always do these bad contracts. Same thing with the Falcons. Falcons are always doing stupid contracts. If the Falcons and the Titans had cash, like had cap space, they could sign guys. No problem. Now, the other counter of my argument, most guys that hit free agency kind of overrated. But I hear you. There's a balance. Like, this is gets back to the Dak thing. I'm kind of hard on Dak, but ultimately, the last two years, he's making the Cowboys a ton of money. They're winning games. They're in the playoffs. You're just not going to win a Super Bowl. So it's like, is your goal to make a lot of money? Which is important. This is a business. So the last two years for the Cowboys was pretty successful. They went one and two in the playoffs. You know, if they would have gone just one, beat the Niners last year, beat them again this year, and gone three and two, it wouldn't be as bad. But it's like they're they're not getting very far. Did I even answer your question? Wouldn't you rather be in that position? So basically, would you rather just be consistently solid with the cousins, with the Dax, what Daniel Jones might be? I, I would struggle with that, man. I I, I really would. Because as someone that follows the 49ers and the Chiefs pretty closely, like I saw the Alex Smith experience. It's hard to maintain that, and it has its limitations. And it's here's the other thing. It's hard to be good every year, which let's use Alex Smith as an example. Every year the Chiefs were winning 10 to 12 games. And then you'd get your, your, your excited for the playoffs, and then it would be a massive, massive letdown. Because ultimately his ceiling was so limited. That To me, I see that in Dak. I see that in Cousins. Uh, I think Daniel Jones has a lot of carryover to that as well. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy. It's so predicated on how you build your team. So when those guys are cheap, it's great because you can hype up your team at all these other positions. But when they're not, you become dependent on that individual. It's like, what happens? Mahomes, write him like secretary. What happens when everyone gets paid on the Bengals? Who cares? I got Joe Burrow. What happens when Josh Allen gets paid? Fucking Josh Allen. Now, it's not like they've crushed it in the playoffs. But I'll tell you this, if I was the Bills, I'd feel a lot better in my chances than I would if I was the Cowboys or the Vikings. And if you're listening to this, you'd have to agree because we'd all take Josh Allen over those two guys. So I, I just think you have to look at it from a business standpoint as much as you do the player. Is Lamar good on a given week? Can he beat anyone's ass? Of course. Can he run for two touchdowns and throw for three more and, and dominate? 100%. But like... Over a four-year period, if if he's averaging forty-eight million dollars a year and the salary cap hits are enormous, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Is he that good? You know, I don't know. I would doubt it. <laughs> I I really would. And I'm not trying to be a hater. I root for the guy. I've always liked him. He was a guy that I did not like in college. Was was kind of iffy on early on, and he won me over. I'm a huge fan. At like the Dak Prescott contract, I would love him for four years, 160. I'd guarantee every penny, forty million dollars a year. Do I like him at like 50 a year for for five years, guarantee every penny? I, I just don't. I'm sorry. You know, call me a bad guy. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, have a good week. 
We will have a big podcast Friday once we get more information on all these uh, franchise tags and everything, and we will talk soon. Adios. volume infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring a performance by john batiste the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 is an suv designed to help every passenger feel just right be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.